0: Hello And welcome to Praise Dionysus. <gasps> praise him? Praise him! Oh, praise! No! Praise! Oh. It's the Grand Prix! Oh, it's yeah. the Grand Prix! Oh, the Grand Prix is on! It's on! They're praising him right now. Yeah, I... God, I don't care about fast cars. Not even slightly. Nope. <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Bernhard Hamlet at the MTC. And And Juliet at the Regent Theatre That was a clear way to say that James isn't that fun to say? Uh. And I could say Ampersand Juliet You could is that, what, is that what the makers of the show want you to call That's it? That's some of the people in the crew call it It's like a fun little joke Ampersand Juliet I guess it's a little it's longer though isn't it? It's a backstage scoop Thank you for that James You're very welcome We've got more of them <gasps> More scoops! More scoops! Let's get into it then Woo! <laughs> Hi Jake. Hello. Hello. Um here we are. Yeah. Um and he, and, and hello to you, dear listeners. Hi there. Hi, thanks <laughs> for <Good laughs> <to laughs> being you, here. Thanks. It's good that you're here. Without <laughs> you, we're nothing. Yeah. Um how have you been, Jake? What's going on? Me. Oh, uh I'm oh, fine. <laughs> that fine. Was a, a normal and good reaction. I'm sorry, I'm going through some like things. Mm. Um currently in the process of being bullied out of my job. Great, <laughs> for a second time. For a sec- second time. Well, this has happened to you before, hasn't it? Or are we not going to Talk about this in the podcast No that wasn't me being bullied It's The second time I've been Like embroiled in like Workplace drama To an extent that you is he's have become the go to guy Of the universe Jake's been bullied enough What does he know This was No this is the first time I'm being bullied actively Out of a workplace On purpose By okay. a manager Great right. mm. Yeah you know That's never Wait a second It feels <laughs> like <laughs> it has to me I just Oh my god No you're not right Not necessarily out of The entire workplace But out of certain Departments It's certain been so areas. long Yes it's been a while Since I thought about That evil woman Trying to rule in my life yeah. <laughs> yeah i've got no comment no God. comment from me Let's. i hope she's make... lost it see <laughs> yeah no see so yeah, i guess this is the second time <laughs> i've been bullied by a manager um, and we'll see how it shakes out i'll keep right, you all right. up to date um, but i hope it's not happening to you it's pretty unpleasant and if it is right in let's form a gang right in let's make a gang mm. um, but yeah no so i have even less money than i had and Tom i don't think? have any money <laughs> Uh, What are you doing to cope with that, Jake? Oh, not sleeping very much. That's going to (laughs) help. That'll That'll do it. That'll save some money. Um, But now, just so I don't only have sad things to talk about this week, um, I found out, I thought this was like a funny thing to learn about a person. Mm. Um, You know beautiful British Johnny? Yes. (laughs) He talks like this. He talks like this, he does. I didn't think that he did, but he does. He does. Mm. Um, um, He believed until a couple of days ago that he met Anne Frank. (laughs) (laughs) So this uh, is how it happened. So we were talking about books that we'd read. And he brought up the fact that he's read Anne Frank's Diary, like the book. Okay, all right, uh, yeah, what a braggy guy. Yeah. yeah. He, he's really book smart. Um yeah, and he, we were sort of like we got sort of onto the topic of the ending and he was like, "Oh, I'm glad she got out." No. It's like, "Johnny, she did not get out. What are you talking about?" Didn't. It's like, "What? Well, I thought she survived the Holocaust." He was like, "Johnny, in no way is that a fact. Why do you think that?" And he was like, "Because she visited my primary school." <laughs> What? It's like he either misunderstood something So apparently an old woman came to his primary school And oh, talked see, okay. about either Anne Frank Or the holocaust or something And I don't know if she was pretending to be Anne Frank As some sort of like I'm George Washington Got any questions about my week? No, no you, <laughs> could, you couldn't do that as Anne Frank You would not think surely. so Because it's inherently so confusing yes. for the children <laughs> uh, And also just disrespectful It's a little disrespectful Surely it was like a holocaust survivor That maybe came and spoke about experiences And he's conflated that with Anne Frank yeah, the, he can't tell me because he was like a stupid little British boy when it happened. So he's got, and now and like and he truly, until less than a week ago, believed that Anne Frank. Oh, Got out and like, was fine for a while. This is like when you hear about people who, like, are our age and have only just discovered that the moon is real or something like that. Like, that's it's it's, that level of... I'm shiny. amazed by how often I'm, like, learning that people have these beliefs still inside of them. It's the same as my sister with the leprechauns. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> Jake's sister <laughs> thought that leprechauns were fully real. Yep, yep. And my sister also thought the polar bears weren't real for a really long time. She th- thought they were a mythical creature. I mean, that one's more... For- to believe that an animal out in the world do- doesn't exist, I think is more forgivable than to believe that a full-blown mythical creature does exist. I think that's crazy. Sure, I'd say that the, the detail of that sentence that you said, I suppose... Like, I, I could I could be into the idea of like not thinking that a toucan was real. Yeah, exactly. I well, often think about toucans and think, that's ridiculous. Why do we have that? I've never protein? seen a toucan. I thought that was like a Fruit Loops mascot. But I think polar bears, there's nothing mystical enough about them to think that they're like... Whoa I mean it is sort of like someone just said, what about a bear? We make it white. Like we <laughs> just put it up there. Yeah, just dump it in the snow. Cold snot. bear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, have you seen Cocaine Bear? Ah, uh, no. Have you? No. <laughs> no. That's the thing. These things that are just like a bit too like. Oh, 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 let's make this a movie. Like anything that comes out of that kind of mindset, I'm glad it exists, I suppose. But who's I felt not was going directed in. directed it? It's directed by what? In my today? mind, Elizabeth Banks has something. It is. Yeah, Elizabeth it's Banks. Elizabeth Bank fully directed. I just think her track record for making garbage is just not going to get me. What to else go to has the she cinema. made? Well, she did like all the Pitch Perfects, which got progressively. Was worse. that Elizabeth Banks? That was Elizabeth Banks. Oh and my then, god. What was the other one? She also did. Um, she was H- F- not get who was Effie Trinket? It wasn't Elizabeth Banks Effie Trinket in Hunger Games. Oh, I thought you meant Effie Stonem from Skins. Yeah. No, yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I, I confused my Effies. There's also like that Hello Good Thanks Effie that no one talks about anymore. I hope she's okay. I don't know who that is. That woman, she's like an Australian comedian that plays like a really Greek woman. She had a like, a, she had a talk show for a while on a roof. She had a big hairdo. No, anyway, <laughs> but yes, Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks was in Hunger Games, and she's also responsible for that new Charlie's Angels that no one watched. Oh, true. Yeah, I forgot that even happened. Yeah, it was Kristen Stewart and the other two. I think one of them was Jasmine from the live-action Aladdin. I mean, good for them. They're getting gigs. Good for them. Yeah, no, I just imagine if Elizabeth Banks were just a little bit better at what she does. I hope Cocaine Bear is good. I've heard good things. About Cocaine Bear? Yeah. Apparently they're, they're making Meth Gator next. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, I hate, okay. What? Just You're not I ready like, for a franchise? Not a franchise. Like, of the, drug-fueled what creatures? What would the next one be? After Methgator. Ketamine horse? I mean, that's just a but, regular horse. Well, that'd just like a sleepy horse, Yeah, right? right. What's that going to do? Well, you'll have to watch the movie. Unless <laughs> it's falling on babies. I don't know what it's going to possibly be <laughs> People keep putting their babies down <laughs> around this. Horse. Trigger warning baby death? Yes. <laughs> 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 Some sort of equine therapy, and uh, someone's really misjudged it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just put down your crying babies by this horse. That will soothe them. Oh my Wait, god! No, 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 no. <laughs> That's ketamine horse Not that horse (laughs) Oh it fell the other way It's fine Yeah no Well what are the other drugs I guess um, I don't know (laughs) I don't know what they would be Jake Um, Um, Yeah no but I don't know Anyway Anyway That's enough about cocaine So what about your week My week has been Good busy I'm still like in I've just moved house Um, Mm -hmm. I've moved to Thornbury Anybody in Thornbury Give me hints on How to get to the city Because it's much further away Than I thought it was Apparently it's also very Mm -hmm. suburban You told me it was suburban I know well, I'm living in a pocket of Thornbury that is like 10 minutes from a main road. So when you're 10 minutes from a main road in Thornbury, you are just like in like suburbia. Like it's just like houses and it's all like little brick houses and it's quiet. Like night hits, you can see most of the stars and it's like silent. Which one's Nicole Kidman? Does Nicole Kidman live in Thornbury? Yeah, in the yes. sky. You can see her. From, from the ground. It's a constellation. Yeah. Um, If you draw the picture big enough, there's constellations of everything. Also, if you just, like, let your imagination die. You can just be like, yeah, whatever. What does letting your imagination die just mean? Just be like, yeah, I guess, whatever. You don't really need any rules. You can just draw any lines between stars and say, well, that's what they did. I mean, have you looked at the constellations? Orion looks nothing like a man. I went to an entire gay circus about the constellations. <laughs> I did too. You're not special. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so Thornbury's great, but I'm still in, like... <laughs> I just like the version of you that you're often saying that to people where we, I did too. People tell you, they tell you anything about themselves, <laughs> and that's how you cut them off. See, I've done that as well. <laughs> Shut up. Um, You're not special. So Thornbury's great, but I'm still in that sort of like. Uh, and you still expect them to care about the little things about you. Yeah, of oh, course. But I moved to Thornbury, so let me just tell you some things about that. Yeah, I just moved to house as well. Shut up. So Thornbury. <laughs> What about it? What can I tell you? For mm. um, me, good, but um, I have, I'm in that like post-move hell. Of like, okay. <laughs> there's still sort of like, we're not in the full swing. We're like, oh, we don't have a, f- our washing machine broke, so we don't have a washing machine. All the boxes are mostly unpacked, but there's still like a bunch in the garage we're all ignoring. We don't have pegs for the clothesline. Like little things that you're sort of like, I'm not fully settled in here yet. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's a little bit draining. What are you going to do fun. about the washing machine? Laundromat? Is there any well, to buy laundromat? tonight we're going to go and hopefully get a van and pick up one from Facebook Marketplace. Oh, great. So, you know, if you're the one selling us that washing machine... Thank you. God, I love you know how washing machines the like front loaders. Maybe this is not a thing to talk about. No, go on. We're getting a front loader for a specific reason. Oh go great! Yeah. Front loader washing machines. I love the little door they have. Yeah. I would be so into, and maybe it would maybe because it would make me feel like I live inside of a boat or something. Just more like doors in real life that are just like circles little circle of glass yeah. that have little hatch openings. I mean, it does feel very nautical, doesn't mm. it? Very, absolutely, feels nautical. Mm. And every time I go to my nearby laundromat that has, like, those really big dryers with a oh, big glass circle doors, terrific. I just think, this is one of the most beautiful things ever. No corners, baby. No corners. And there's, like, a row of glass circles that flap open and let you make your, like, clothes hot. <laughs> you want to be on a submarine. Oh, maybe I do want to be on a submarine. Um, the washing machine <laughs> we're looking at getting has a circular door because we have a dryer with a circular door. You want them, so they can look at each other. So they maybe. can sit on top of each other. How, how do the doors enable them to do that? Well, if you get a top loader washing machine. Oh, so it's not about the circle, it's about the front. It's about the yeah, door at the front. Oh, okay. And then it cause out, dry is... This is not... You know what? We'll talk about this later. <laughs> <laughs> this is not no, interesting. No, white goods. Discuss. <laughs> shit, I'll tell you what. Moving white goods is a fucking nightmare. You know what I mean? Everyone listening in at home? <laughs> right? They're all nodding. They're yes. all nodding. I can feel it. I can feel it. Um, I can hear the Grand Prix cars. You can? Yeah. Zoom yeah. it around. This <laughs> is Just zoom in That's the thing That a crazy person Would say While they're lying In their asylum bed I can hear the Um So uh, what would I give my week I would probably Give my week Like we moved In near a really Nice cafe uh, Rat cafe Anyone who knows About it mm-hmm. With a beautiful One of the best Breakfast sandwiches I've ever had In my life mm, Mostly rat meat Mostly rat meat Yes No they've <laughs> got sauerkraut in there It's delicious Oh uh, so I would give it like What That probably has like Seven ingredients in it So I'm going to give it Like a seven out of seven. Oh, great so I'm gonna give it. Okay. You know, like that Good That's nice yes. Thank you What about you I'll give my week 107 stars uh-huh. One for each year That Anne Frank Imaginarily lived <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wish she had <laughs> She deserved better She, des- she did She yeah. did deserve better Yeah And frankly It's bad It's bad that she didn't She's very lucky That she has been Posthumously deemed A believer And that you said That sentence about her Yeah I regret I regret Uh, should we talk about Some theatre Let's do it Okay Hey James (laughs) (laughs) Did you just spit You're disgusting Um, (laughs) There's still saliva On your chin (laughs) I wasn't ready. For such an abrupt intro. It's so exciting to do a spit take when there's nothing in your mouth but your own the <laughs> mouth juice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. Um, hello, Jake. Hello, James. Good, 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 good <laughs> beginning. Good. Um, great. So I went to see Bernard Hamlet at the MTC. Okay, cool. You know, that wonderful theatre we have. I I know that the, the theatre's there. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> That place. company, the company that runs the art scene, it's there. It's, <laughs> it's the there. pinnacle. It's the pinnacle. Yeah. Um. So yeah. You went to see the best show in the world, I that's, assume. That's what that means. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's perfect theatre. <laughs> yeah. Um. Bernard Hamlet with like kind a of, like a slash in the middle. Yes. I was debating whether to say the slash out loud because it's such a a purposeful piece of punctuation to put in a theatre. Good work with the yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Good. Such <laughs> <what> alliteration, <laughs> Roger. project. Oh my god. Um. What do you when you when you see that type of title? What's like. What's the first example that comes to your mind of another title with a slash in it? Uh, oh, oh, probably like If Then. Oh, good answer. Thank you very much. If Then, the Adina Menzel sliding doors (laughs) musicale. I've never listened to it, but I'm sure it's great. It's a lot of New York and architecture. So Rent. Uh, no, the topic of architecture. Oh, okay, no, never mind. Carry yeah. on! Which I guess they do touch upon briefly in Rent. Well, it's mostly about, like, we can't live in this building because mm. we can't afford the rent. Architects did build those buildings. And isn't, like, one of them, oh no, he's developing condos this and sort of architecture. And Adina Menzel is, like, responsible for both of them. Does oh, Adina Menzel love architecture? I think Adina Menzel loves New York and architecture. Adina? Adina? If you rearrange the letters, I to Menzel, it spells out... <laughs> I am Lord Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> a stupid, stupid turf reference. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Bernard Hamlet with a slash in the middle. It was written by Teresa Rebeck. Okay. Do you recognize that? I know that? nothing about that name, no. About Teresa Rebeck? No. She actually, I don't know if you've heard of this, she wrote Smash... It's a show. Get fucked. Really? No. This is a show that I once again have never seen, but you have always told me to watch. Yes, because you hate Joy and Music and Megan Hilty, and it's perfect. I hate <laughs> two of those things. You can pick. quickly. Uh, can, what can I do? So I'm sorry, is your mouthful of you spit can, again? P- <laughs> yes, I'm too excited. You can pick which one. Carry on. Uh, so yeah, so she also wrote this. Teresa right. Rebeck, she, well, she got like fired from Smash. Did you know this? No, I, I famously don't know anything about Smash. This play made me be like, I don't feel like I know enough about Teresa. And so I was like you know briefly looked into it. And yeah, she wrote like a couple of articles where she talked about the fact that like she got sh- like fired off her own show. Why was she fired? Well, the reason they sort of gave her was kind of like and the reason she also sort of like, you know, understood it to be was like the just the sense that she was like a difficult person to have around during the creative process. Ooh, and so and thing, also baked into kind of like her assumptions and her experience of it was a lot of misogyny as well, which is really disappointing. Oh god. Okay. Yeah, so that's a shame. Um and then it got cancelled after two seasons. Mm. After after they <laughs> Managed to attempt the cheapest Tony Awards you've ever seen, but again, perfect television. So there's nothing to say there. I'm sure it is. I do look forward to watching it one day and understanding these references. Yeah, one day. (laughs) Um, Anne Louise Sarks directed it. So that's information for you. Thank you. Um, it had. So it's about. Do you know who Sarah Bernhardt is? Uh, no, I do not. Um, so, it was like the whole show itself is like set in France in 1899, mm-hmm. and so Sarah Bernhardt. And I know, I'm sure at one point during this, I will accidentally call her Sandra Bernhardt, but I'm doing my best not to do that. Okay. You know who Sandra Bernhardt is? I don't. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm like a blank slate. I'm the I'm the audience insert. That's insulting to the audience. No, I think. it's insulting to me. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I know so little. I'm a blank slate. <laughs> a blank slate. Everything needs to be explained to me. You are welcome, listeners. <laughs> um, yeah. So Kate Mulvaney plays Sarah Bernhardt, and Kate Mulvaney is just one of those people that is like perpetually impressive. I as... do recognize that name. I'm sure that you've I don't talked know what's to me. From. You've definitely seen her in something, and you told me that you thought she was great. And I don't remember. I think it was either when she was in a production of Julius Caesar, and I, I believe she played Brutus in it, and then also she wrote The Seed, which is a play that oftentimes gets utilized like for like monologue auditions. What are you doing? I'm looking Kate Mulvaney up. Aren't oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just sit here and I, I'm also letting you know that her son in the show, just because I know that you'll find this interesting and maybe distracting given the fact that you're Googling. You we'll, <laughs> her son is played by William McKenna. Oh! Do you know William McKenna? You do? Yes. From Scorpius. From Scorpius? <laughs> I Scorpius Malfoy. Yeah, it's the one thing. Yeah. yeah and also did that um cabaret or, or He did that one man show in that yeah, hotel yeah, I remember, that I went I to. Yes, yes, yes. And the poster was him answering a bunch of phones at once. Yes. Good. Which I still think is a great show. Uh, have you found the results of whatever you were looking up? No. You haven't. <laughs> I have not. You are really bad at the internet sometimes. Well, I've, no, I've got the list. I just think what I'm saying is I don't think I've seen her in anything. Oh, mm. okay. Well, I think you're wrong because she's relatively prolific. Um, sorry, I was receiving that timer. Jake, that was his alarm to start work, but he's missed it. I was receiving a phone call from beautiful British Johnny. Oh, shut up, Johnny. I, I assume he learned something new about the I, am Johnny. Hello, did you know about World War One? I've got horrible news. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, Kate <laughs> Mulvaney, Billy McKenna. Um, Yes, yeah, so Kate playing Sarah Bernhardt. So, she was like this big deal actor back in La Day. You know? Because mm. we're in France. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she was like a big deal actor. She was like the biggest, most famous, wonderful person. And like, thinking back then, as if I know anything about that time period, but it's like, if you're famous back then... There aren't a lot, at least in my mind. There aren't a lot of people to be competing with in terms of celebrity. Well, there's not a lot of media outlets, otherwise. No, yeah, you know, and right? it's like, and it's all like posters and newspapers and word of mouth. Word of mouth. And it's like, how many people? How many people are we even capable of relaying the fame of to the masses about? So to say, your are fa- Are you saying that fame meant less in that time, or it meant more? I think it meant more, maybe because, and maybe this is not connected to the list that I just provided, but it's like it meant more because there were fewer in terms of celebrity for engagement with the entertainment industry. Mm. There was less media that constituted the entertainment industry. Sure. So, and it was also, it was, I guess it would have felt a little more like, wow, they really are stars. I know so little about them, but they're amazing. Whereas nowadays it's like, oh, Kristen Stewart posted, you know, an Instagram where she trips over. Well, that's also because we've like, like walked over that, that, that point that I think made everything much less interesting. Where we went, went from like celebrities and actors and stuff were just these kind of like people that we could project fantasy onto and we'd know nothing about Mythical them outside of, well yeah and we'd know nothing about them outside of the things that they were in so we could kind of like their personal lives were almost irrelevant we would just go and see them and be like it's that thing that people say about how like the, you know the golden age of cinema and like we will never have those sorts of stars hmm. again because like we only really got to know them not, even, not really got to know them but like saw them on the big screen it yeah. was like oh i can't wait to see them again yeah. It was like you can't experience that anymore because you get to see them all the time constantly on fucking instagram yeah, interesting. Okay, so she was she was one of the golden age actresses. <laughs> I don't of know if she fell in the late 1800s. It, well, yeah, I don't. Well, I I suppose if you just refer to that period as the golden I, age, I didn't mean it as the golden age. I'm referring to it as an a age. It was age. an age, and you're speculating it might have been golden. It sounds golden. Yes, yeah, so she was like a gigantic deal. And so this is like the play revolves around this time period where she was like she reached this point, and like a lot of like the first half of the play that Teresa Rebeck wrote, mm. um, is her in rehearsal to play Hamlet mm. and her wrestling with her opinion and uh, her opinion of Hamlet's behavior the things that Shakespeare has Hamlet do the things that make up the play and why it's debatably interesting and her nerves as well surrounding how she feels about going on stage as Hamlet and <laughs> so here are some things <laughs> so like, <laughs> okay all right it's just like, and this is the MTC, so I feel like we're both a bit more comfortable being like a little bit more like openly critical. They of got things. the funds. They've got the funds. They've got the publicity. They've got the publicity. They've got the talent. They don't need us to be nice, and we're not going to say anything horrendous, no. unless we do. Look, in which case <laughs> it's the MTC. They will. They will. Yeah. Give, they will be fine. And also part of what's like fun about the MTC being as big and like gargantuan as it is, it's like cri- they can take the criticism. You can throw a few stones because I think it's almost point of it like they mm. meant and again as we both I, I feel like I can safely speak for the two of us being like good isn't the job of art you no. know no. it's like be interesting incite conversation yeah and here's a conversation okay. <laughs> converse uh, so <laughs> something that I think is really interesting when it comes to shows especially like about or that are Shakespeare especially when you get somewhere like the MTC mm. which does have that air of like highbrowery yes <laughs> this, and I'm, we've both definitely experienced this thing of like laughter intended to signify comprehension as opposed to it being born of thinking something's funny. That was a Mm. clunky way of saying what I was saying, but it's like... No, I get it. This, because it was about Shakespeare and about Hamlet, a lot of what the jokes were were opportunities for the audience to be like, Oh! oh, 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 From that part of Hamlet! Yes! Good, good gag Mm. about Ophelia there. (laughs) Right. Okay. Interesting. But this did give me a chance, like even when I was thinking about the fact of us having this conversation, it really made me drill down into like... Because I, of course, had the... As I was having in the theatre while the play was happening, it made me really frustrated. Really? Yeah, and Mm. I I had to question why. It was like, oh, God, it's so annoying. Like, these jokes aren't good, but they're about smart things. And people want to laugh to show that they can see that it's smart. And so that their friends are like, oh, my God, you know a lot about Hamlet. (laughs) I would If I knew a lot of things about Hamlet and I went to that show I would 100% be one of those people that laughs oh I know that yeah, about you yes I'm yes. sorry no that's fine <laughs> that's who no. I am and that's the thing I reflected upon it and then I was like you know what I guess I intellectually I'm fine with it mm. because who says what laughter is even for you know I'd say mm. generally speaking everyone on stage everyone that contributes to a piece of theatre or like any art let's talk about theatre is like you want that type of engagement you mm. want to hear that the audience is understanding what's happening and if that comes out in forms of laughter in a form of laughter at the things that you've put into your script that you'd like to know are working in terms of people being like, Oh, what a funny, like, what an interesting dot to connect. Like, yeah. oh, that is a good point laughter thing. is probably one of the most obvious, positive sounds you it, can make. Well, it's one of the few things that you're, like, allowed or supposed to do in terms of relaying anything to the audience. It's like <laughs> laughter and claps. Everything else is a bit like, pardon? That was good! <laughs> yeah, it's like, you can't just, like, toss an apple up, and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> they understood my soliloquy. Like, <laughs> <The> oh. <apple. laughs> Got the apple of appreciation. <laughs> a standing apple. Um, yeah, interesting. So okay. that was something. So it was a chance for me to reflect on it, because there was a lot of people being like, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am seeing Bernhard Hamlet. In a few weeks. Well, um, make sure that you get in there and chuckle as much as you can. i practicing my guffaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like even if you don't get it, try to come across as really clever. Oh, I will. Well, hopefully this will enlighten me a little bit, so I'll be able to pretend that I've seen him. <laughs> yeah, good. Do your homework so you can wow the people. Maybe I'll read it. Um, it was the the set and costumes were designed by Mark Hallwell. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. It was like especially with like things, and I have such a, like an appreciation and fascination with theater that attempts to uh, like show you the creation of theater. Like that is just very exciting to me. Yep. And what was really great about some of the rehearsal scenes early on in the piece the backdrops were kind of like the incomplete backdrops of the intended work that they were putting together is sort of like mm. how it read. So it was like a lot of like half-painted sets and a lot of like backdrops that were like you could see like the sketched outlines of the eventual completed work. I love a sketched outline of a, of a set. You do? There was one for um Funny Thing Happened All The Way To The Forum, at The uh, Her Majesty's, and all the set pieces were like very clearly just like the concept art printed out and like made big. And there's something about that vibe that just gives it this sort of like weird sort of otherworldly theatrical space that I really appreciate mm-hmm. I think I just think it's very cool when you can sort of yeah I agree with you when you can sort of see the work put into the actual set pieces on stage or any of it that is sort of part of the theatre making process just mm-hmm. presented as it is okay yeah and you like that for what reason I think I don't even I, I would have to probably sit down and unpack why I like it but I think I enjoy it for the reason that it sort of makes it sort of says this show knows that it's in a theater, like it, it, it it's a show that is about theatrical process, and it is a show that sort of is a little bit fourth wall breaky and not necessarily going to be just a naturalist piece. Sure, I think that always makes you feel comfortable. And you you are just like super into shows knowing they're shows. I do. I, that's one of my. I'm I'm a big supporter of that. Yeah, I, I struggle with the naturalist piece. Right. Okay. Oh okay. yeah, because you'd be into it even if it, like if it wasn't set in a theatre making theatre, you'd like it if it was even just like a set that is so like stodgy and poorly done that it's like acknowledging the fact that like it's just a show. Yes. Yeah. Yep, I would. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. So the yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> but what it meant though was like, <laughs> I I guess I just wish that like it, it is really interesting subject matter, and I was really grateful to get to learn about Sarah Bernhardt because she is a person that I only like foggily knew really anything of mm. like and so it was really great to get a chance to kind of like see this interpretation of that experience for her mm. um, especially her as like a woman taking on this like she said this th- there were a few like, really like interesting illuminating sentences and one of my favourite ones was the idea of like a lot of it was like very like glib snide remarks about the, like, debatable failings of Hamlet as a character and as a text. Mm. And one thing she said was, like, a woman goes around and does nothing and she's no one. But a man goes around and does nothing and he's Hamlet. Oh, yeah. That's kind of, like, a nice crystallisation of the things that were said, at least about, like, gender politics in the theatre and, and literature. Did Hamlet go around and do nothing? Again, I am a person who has never seen or read Hamlet. Sure. Well, a lot of... Well, yeah, a lot of Hamlet is kind of famously him... Do, like, to be or not to be is, like, a, the big thing, you know? So it's, like... Depending Should I do inter- something or not? A little bit. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Many of the interpretations of that's like, even just, like, take that soliloquy in itself. It's, mm. like, it's him debating whether or not to, like, to to live or to kill himself or to, like, to do something or not to do something or to, like, to, to decide to be the person that you could be or decide to not be that person and, and live with no integrity. Like, yeah, okay. You know, these are some of the things. Um, yeah. And and that's very much, like, throughout the entire piece. Like, so much of it is, like, is him, like, conspiring or him doubting things or him thinking out loud. And it's, like, but even like that, <laughs> but to me, I guess like I have a soft spot for Hamlet. I think because I like some of the subject matter that happens. I would cut a bunch of it out if I ever had to do an edit like uh, uh, like a version of it myself. Jake do a Shakespeare piece, <laughs> a Shakespeare, a Shakespeare. Hmm. But um, yeah, no, but that's that's the thing. I wish some of the the critiques of the text that were leveraged at it throughout the piece were maybe like a little bit more surprising. Um... And, of course, everything that was said about Hamlet as a text by uh, by Sarah's character, like, Sarah, was, yeah, valid to say, I suppose. Mm. I guess it was just, like, a little bit pedestrian, and I know that's a cunty thing to say, but even just, like... It, it, the word pedestrian is, it feels like it's a cunty word. It's a cunty word, but it, it just felt like a lot of the things that were said about the play, like, about Hamlet as a text and as a character, are things that I'm certain have really have been said by people in high school literature classrooms... But it, it's, i feel like it. Surely, it's difficult to say anything new about Shakespeare at this point. Well, sure, and that's—I think that's a valid perspective. But then I, you know, th- but then it begs the question of like, so what's a play about staging Hamlet going to be about? Yeah, you know, and I think I don't know, that's just—it's really again based on the laughter and stuff. People seem to have really wanted to have heard these things said, mm. um, but which I, <laughs> which is great. It points at another thing that sort of I experienced in the first half of the show where there was a whole scene where. And two of the gentlemen involved with the production of the piece were talking to each other about the controversy surrounding Sarah playing Hamlet mm. and talking about how but she's a woman what do you mean she's a woman this is Hamlet why is a woman playing Hamlet and having this whole like lengthy conversation about you know the the, the politics at play in that decision making process and it was like great like i understand like yes you've well explained the two like two of the sides of this argument yep. well done but it's like it was one of those moments and maybe this is a personal grub that i have about theater i guess sometimes is like It's one of those moments where it's like, it's doing the job that the audience is supposed to do. Like can't we go away and have this conversation ourselves? Like I don't think we need to see this modeled in front of us by two people. In a play that was written like in 2018-ish, like these are very contemporary theatrical matters that I think, that I'm certain that like a lot of the people seeing the show have already had amongst themselves. Okay, right. Like, we like we had, like, Cate Blanchett, Cate Blanchett playing King Lear. Like, we had Robin Nevin playing Queen Lear. Like, a lot yeah. of these conversations have been had already in a contemporary setting. And uh, after having read a lot of what, like, Anne-Louise said in the program about what really resonated with her in the work about... As she said, it was, like, part of what she loved about the piece as a piece of text was, like, how familiar it felt. Um, and which I get. And I think it's wonderful. And it's a really great story of women in the arts and the history of women in the arts and the necessity of them. Um... But yeah, I guess maybe that's just that one scene I had a thing with where it was like, I I don't know. This feels like a conversation I should be having with my friend after the show. And I think it's also a conversation that a lot of people had maybe four or five years ago. Yeah, true. What do you think, what what could have been done different, do you think, to make you, Jake, personally enjoy the show more? Literally, it was this classic thing of like, literally start when Act 2 started. Sure. Act two yep. starts, and it's like they're like in the swing of things. It's in this like lavish, beautiful dressing room. Was it was in a dress. I believe it was a dressing room. Um and so it's like and it's Sarah Bernhardt in this beautiful gown walking around Kate Mulvaney being incredible mm. her son turns up Will McKenna turns up and then yeah it's like this beautiful like any any show and it's sort of like what you were talking about just like any show that is set like backstage at a theatre yeah. or like on opening night like it's mm. very Terrence McNally it's very like where is Nathan Lane like it's one of those things yep. where it's like what a fun setting it's like that's when Act 2 started I was like why didn't we start here like we we because so much of mm. what's going on like so much of the first act is establishing the undercurrent and the interlocutor Intellectualism behind all the issues at play. And also it sounds to me like, I still haven't seen the show, it sounds to me like a lot of the issues are things that the audience could very quickly sort of piece together and assume. It's absolutely that thing. And it's this thing that I keep coming back to that I really like like as a mental exercise of like how late in the show could we have started? Yeah, right, right. right. That's interesting. Right, and then give the audience a chance to like piece it together themselves and like catch themselves up, you Mm. know? Like just throw us into the world and we'll piece it together as long Mm. as you give us enough pieces. And I truly thought that like if you started after Interval ended, We'd have enough pieces to piece the whole thing together ourselves. And that's more of a fun journey to go on. It's a fun journey, it's more satisfying because we have work to do. Mm. Um, And there's already motion. Like everything, like, I don't know. And it's interesting too for so many of their critiques of Hamlet as a text to be, there's so much talking and not much happening. It's like, buddy, (laughs) I I think you might have done a little bit of the same thing. Oh dear. Well, could that not be a twisted mirror? A twisted mirror? Sure. But then is that not also inherently hypocrisy? I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's, how do you like that? That's something I don't know. But of course, there was also so much else to love. About. Like I even just like <laughs> loved being in that theater. Like it's just so. Which theater was it in? What? Which theater was it in? Which which theater theater was it in? <laughs> the South Bank one. Like the big oh, one. Gorgeous. Like the, oh, gorgeous! Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, upstairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Beautiful. Yeah. Well, we were upstairs. Yeah, wait, no, it's all one level. But like we entered upstairs. Sorry to confuse matters, but yeah, we. Well, were, like, I I saw a, a script reading at the MTC recently. In oh, the you went the old Bernhardt was happening upstairs. Oh, great, yeah, so we're, yeah. yeah, that one that you enter that way uh, So Marco Chiappi plays, like, one of the co-stars of the production that's happening mm. And how, he's, how many people are in this sort of cast, like, roughly? In the sort of cast, there's, uh, what is it? I'd say it's, like, nine people Oh, wow, okay, yeah yeah, Ten people? For some nine reason, people? I assumed it was, like, just ten. a one-woman show for some reason No, ten people, there's mm. ten people You can could, you could make a really interesting show about this lady with a one-woman show for yeah. sure Yeah, um, Yeah, ten of them? Yeah, 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 yeah lovely cast um, yeah, and so but yeah, so Marco Cappi is playing like a co-star in this show that's happening, and he's playing like an older actor that's played like a like Hamlet a bunch of times. Like he's got this real theatrical history behind him, and like oh, being right. a man in the time, he has the opportunity to do a lot of things. Mm. Um, yeah, and but yeah, so there was this like very this very like risky thing because of course they're playing like a lot of what the first act especially is is a bunch of rehearsal scenes. And you know that thing that happens a lot in shows where it's like about the creative process, especially like the theatrical process? Mm. And a lot of writing as well. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this reference. My brain's going to Shakespeare in Love. I'll just let you know that. Oh, great. I need to rewatch that. I haven't watched it in so great long. Film. And now everyone's suddenly talking about Gwyneth Paltrow again. It's like, I need to see where this she won. came from. She won the court case? She won the court case. Really? Yeah. God. She, I mean, she lost half a day of skiing. If if you're not paying attention, we are currently embroiled in the mess of Gwyneth Paltrow and that man suing each other for running into each other at a ski resort. It's the richest problem you've ever heard. Richest problem in the world, and so she won and got a dollar out of it. I don't know if she gets the dollar, but I know that she won the court case. She won so the court I assume case. She gets the dollar. I couldn't stop thinking about the fact of like I'm still so ready for the Bastille to get stormed. I thought that because it was it was there a jury or just like a judgy judge? I'm actually not too sure about that part. I saw the that she won. I just until this conversation assumed there would be a jury, and I just feel like are we about to cross over that I'm Another one of these borders we might be, might be crossing, of like getting to the point where people resent the wealthy so much, whereas like a court case like this could happen, and they would just side with the poorer person to stick it to the rich guy. God, I hope so, but no, I hope we're near there. I feel like we have to be near. You want to get to the point where? Oh, I'm ready to. I'm re- always ready to kill the rich. Always. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what I started thinking about. I care much more about that than like skiing rules. <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, this play, so a lot of rehearsal scenes and, and yeah, in like media surrounding the creative process with yeah, theater, with writing. Like I go to that scene in like, you know, that Lindsay Lohan movie, the second time she plays twins, I know who killed me. Nope. There's a scene where she reads a passage. For, she's meant to be a really good writer in the movie. And she reads a passage of text from something she's written and it's transparently garbage, but everyone's like, you're a fucking genius, Lindsay. Right. For <laughs> the purpose of the story, it's good. Yes Yeah And it's like Having to exemplify Someone's talent Is so risky Because like It can really make or break The world that you're in Yeah Oh totally You know There's a level of like Disbelief that we can suspend But it's like If I have to know That you're an amazing writer For the tragedy Of you getting bonked On the head And not being able to write anymore Is a devastating blow To the world of literature You need to be at least A little bit good So we can be like Oh no But she was such a visionary And so in this one In this one So yeah So with all the rehearsal scenes There's a scene Where Marco Chiappi Is playing like A version of Hamlet's dead dad? Mm. Like, you know how the play, towards the start of Hamlet... I know that at the start, his dad dies. Uh, well, his dad's the already dead. The uncle dies? The dad... The uncle tries to kill him. The uncle kills the dad. Yes, b- Before the play starts. Yes, And so, the start of the play is the ghost of the dad spooking two guards, and then Hamlet sees him. Yes, that's the- I do know that scene. Correct. It's the one scene I know. Yeah. Um, so, Marco Chiappi plays like an... Im- he's sort of, like, improvises kind of um, a speech by-, by the ghost to Hamlet. Mm. And it was this, like... I'd say it was my favourite moment of the show for sure, I'd wow. say, of, it was just like this jaw-dropping performance that he gave. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just like this moment where it was just like, it, it absolutely was one of those, like, if I had been in that room with that performance happening in this rehearsal space, I too, as the actors around him did too, was just like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like, that's a thing that a performer and a theatre is capable of presenting to us mm. as, a, as a human experience. That's so lovely. To have to take, even just to take one moment away like that is nice. Yeah. Mm. It was crazy And like And you could feel The audience feel it And it was just like It was so like Satisfying And the electric. way Electric Electric And the way That it was like Because it was obviously Like sapped at any Dramatic stakes Like it was just About watching someone Of course in the world They were in mm. But it, about them just like Reasserting the power Of theatre Yeah You know Because totally. nothing mattered In that moment It was just rehearsal mm. You know There were two layers Of removal from reality For it But you know? to perform With that powerful yeah. For, yeah for it to Yeah For it to for nothing to hinge on it Beyond the potency of talent Was yeah Really that's incredible a, That's a really successful moment yeah that was funky um through her entanglements with a playwright that is also throughout the play played by Charles Wu um they she uh, Sarah like inspires the writing of Cyrano sure okay yes the play I I know it's a play yeah (laughs) you know the dwarf but sometimes he has a long nose sometimes he's both Long-nosed and dwarfish. <laughs> Sounds pretty PC. <laughs> it's a play. Yeah. <laughs> it's a play that exists. Um, and yeah, presents it to her. And of course, I, I'll love any story about a muse inciting a play. That's all I want to hear about. You love your muses. I love my muses. I love talking about muses. I love plays about muses. I love people inspiring people to make art. You love a booze mooshes? I love a booze mooshes. Is that what it's called? It's like a moose boosh? A moose boosh? Yes. Uh, Is that similar to a glockenschlock? What are those What are those big <gasps> stacks of profiteroles? I think you have What's to give that? a glockenspiel. What No, that, 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 it was like a Masterchef challenge once. It was a crockenbusch. Crock and bush Crock and bush Get your croc in my bush <laughs> no, I'm not going to put my croc in your bush Stop oh, asking laugh. I'm <laughs> um, What was I saying? Oh yes So yeah Spiel. <laughs> Charles Wu's character inspired. Yes. It gets inspired by Sarah Cyrano. To write Cyrano mm-hmm. And then he presents Like an unfinished draft Of Cyrano to her And she's like What do you mean I inspired this? And he's like Yeah you inspired the Roxanne character In this play And she's like Great, but like that's kind of insulting because all Roxanne does is like be pretty and stand around and get tricked into love. Mm. And I just think that's that's really interesting. And in terms of the things that this play has to say about women and the writing of women and the existence of women in theatre, I just thought that too like stood out as like a resonant moment for me, especially as someone that cares a lot about. Or is like is deeply interested in and loves exploring the idea of the art that people can inspire through their beauty and their actions yeah that is that seems right up your alley yeah so okay that was that and then yeah part of it too is like towards the very towards the end of act one which again i think we should lose entirely and start with act two but at <laughs> the end right. towards the end of act one um, she turns to her playwright pal and is like look Hamlet's not really working for me, <laughs> so I want you to write Hamlet again. <laughs> oh, okay. And kind of fix all the problems that we've all kind of come to terms with existing in this piece. That's a big job. It's a big job and an exciting way to end the first act, you know? Yeah. Like, what? Sure. We're rewriting Hamlet? Huh? <laughs> Blackout. <laughs> That's real. I, that should be the start of the show. Sure. Sure, if you want. <laughs> would you rewrite a Shakespeare piece? Could that be a fun project for you? Oh, sure. Adapting Shakespeare is always a fun idea. Mm. Yeah, yeah. if you do it for the right reason. What, Shakespeare, what piece speaks to you the most? Would you say it's Hamlet? Um Speaks to me the most I don't know I don't know Do you have an answer? What speaks to you the most Of the Shakespeare's? No I, have, I really haven't read enough Of Shakespeare to be able to say that mm. I Really, it would, it would be Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet Because those are the two I did in school Okay sure Or Midsummer Night's Dream <sighs> Right Okay Probably Midsummer Night's Dream Just because that's the one we did in theatre Okay mm. Yeah, I feel like, I, mean, I just don't have any really, like, patience for Midsummer Night's Dream. For reasons that you could probably adapt out of it, but I find Puck really annoying. And I find, ugh, whenever I see it, I just feel like there's too much, like, juvenile, frothy garbage in I mean, in it. most, it's just a whimsical, fun time in the forest, That's it? the thing, I think I need a, no, I don't know how you'd fix it. I think there's too much, like, manipulation and deception. <laughs> but I think that, isn't that... And misunderstanding. Interesting. It could be, it absolutely could be, be interesting. I think the yeah. other reasons I, it's just a little bit too like hee, 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 hee it, love well, love yeah. love. It's like no. <laughs> Was that one of his comedies? Uh yeah, it's a comedy. Sure. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know which one. Honestly, the Tempest I think is good, but I think more of like when I think of the Tempest, I think more about like the backdrop of it. I guess. Oh, i totally. I like guess like I'm less spooky in, waves everywhere. Spooky waves uh, like a deserted island. Mm. Twins. I like the idea of Prospero. I like uh, what is it? Is it kind of what's his name? The, the, the guy that lives on the island, like that little dirt guy. <laughs> Again, that's what I haven't said. Yeah, my mouth is trying to say cannibal, but that's not his name. But the, the guy that lives on the island, he's like, hey! <laughs> a hot people on the beach! That yes. sounds like a Jake insert. <laughs> oh, what a dickhead. But yeah, maybe the Tempest. Or maybe like, uh, I do like Twelfth Night. But, again, I... I so quickly, oh, I do like Twelfth Night. I, I just very quickly, well. like, lose patience with the... I'd say the the go-to objection I always have to Twelfth Night is just the ending where everyone's like, oh, I guess I'll just marry you then. Well, isn't that just, like, a <laughs> classic wrap-up for such, like, silly... It's like, and everyone got married! That's Western culture that for you. That is it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, so with with the idea of Miss Bernhardt insisting that Hamlet be rewritten for her, with herself, of course, playing the Titular Hamlet. Titular. Titular. Um, the titular Hamlet. What if you had to pick a play, uh-huh. or you can do a movie if you'd rather. Okay. If you got to pick a movie or a play and tell someone, look, rewrite this. I will play the lead, but I want you to rewrite it around me. <laughs> okay. As, okay. As, as in, I'm playing. So take Hamlet for example. I'm playing Hamlet. And I want you to rewrite Hamlet so that it is more interesting for me to play Hamlet. Yep. Or I pick a random character in Hamlet and say, rewrite the show so they're the main character. Well, you're playing the character. So if you want to do like a side character or something, you can. Because I like, think you're yeah. in the middle of the production. <clears throat> and of course, a lot of your taste will influence how the play ends up being. Jesus. Yeah. It's interesting. It is. <laughs> it's also a very big question. It is. Um, do, as is of course, my... again, as with our sign off, you don't have to do what you would end up going with. But is there an idea that immediately occurs to you that you find enticing? Do you have one immediately? Um, Well, I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. And I think I would really enjoy playing Blanche in A streetcar Named Desire. Sure, of course you would. (laughs) Yep, yep. I think it'd be so fun. And I think playing it as a man and toying with the idea of like, then who is Stanley? Is Stanley a woman? Mm. Is Blanche gay? I want her to be. (laughs) Um... With me being a man Blanche. So I guess yeah. my name would be Manch. Blanche Blanche. <laughs> I think you just stick with Blanche. Yes. I've <laughs> yeah. oh, oh. got an answer. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Mr. Lovett. Mr. Lovett. Sweeney Todd. So you play a male. I play a male baker. Mrs. Lovett. Is Sweeney Todd still a man? Ah, uh, yeah. I think there'd be like a subtle homoerotic lil. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes. then it sort of <laughs> leans a lot more into the but it does lean more into her nefarious sort of scary love for him. becomes very much like, I'm an evil gay man trying to seduce you. I've been one back over to evil gay men. Well, I think <laughs> there should be more of them. Yeah. I think it's time we went back to the What was that England. turning point for me? What was the gay man I saw? Jafar. The J- no, there was like the other day I saw a play and it was like, this is the reason that we need more gay men. Swing A Spring Awakening. Springer Spring Who was the gay man? It's the Spring. guy that played Hanschen oh, in that yeah. version that yeah. Olivia's brother was yep. in, and he was like, "Oh, Ernst, <laughs> like, yeah, a good camp gay man." Yes, heaven. but like Mister Lovett seducing Sweeney Todd, and maybe Sweeney Todd gets a little bit into it. Oh my god! Like it gives in a little bit to his homoerotic desires, and that sort of fuels a bunch of his murderous. And rage. that's also nice because as it, I guess it already does in the heterosexual version of it. You know, the, the real version, <laughs> <laughs> the version that does exist, like the the. the Push and pull Of like how into each other Are they How much is like I keep trying to say Johnny Depp How much is Sweeney, Sweeney. Pond, Like stringing her along mm. Like how much of this is real Like how much do they Want to live by the sea You know like How much of that is real And also like What was their relationship Beforehand Like the idea of them Potentially having like An Albus Dumbledore Fucking Grindelwald oh, past Yep yeah, Which is my go to Gay literature To is talk Gay about. Lover Downstairs That these well, are... this is the thing And then also like He preys on Mr. Lovett's Actual full blown gayness By sort of Gay baiting him Into helping him make pies Debatably, that's a- one reading of this imaginary version of the text. I think that's great, and oh my you god, you'd be Blanche. You say. I, well, I'm still trick, Like, and then what is Toby? Is Toby a young girl now? It's like, how is this all working? Maybe, to- maybe Toby is just like a an androgynous thing off the street that Toby's no one trans. really knows. Toby's trans. Toby's trans. Toby Toby. trans well, from the street. Well, I think it would be interesting if Toby was like just some weird genderless thing. Great. Well, aren't we all? all? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just emerges from the streets. Yeah. Represents all children. That's fantastic. Mm. Throw the old lady out. (laughs) Um Toby. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd be great at that as well. And Toby's a really good, like, ungendered name. (laughs) It is. It is. And also, Toby the character is already a weird, nebulous thing because in like the original version, he's a full-blown adult with like who's just like a bit silly because yeah in the original movie not the original movie in the original play Mm. Toby is like an intellectually disabled adult which makes it a lot more creepy but in like why is that creepy James? because it's a lot more creepy for Mrs. Lovett to sort of take advantage of this like mentally disabled person oh sure oh yeah, yeah, yeah and for yeah. them to sort of take him in and then he is like even more shocked by all the murder and blood whereas right. in the original in the um movie and in a lot of like the newer plays it's a child right so like it is already this sort of like character that goes between states oh so my you can just like I, do anything with I, it I really want to see like an intellectually disabled adult playing that role well, and, like playing that like nothing's gonna harm you well so. in the original that song is so beautiful because it is this like intellectually disabled adult singing to someone that makes him feel Calm and safe, and someone that he like is unaware is actually taking advantage of him a bit, yeah. and it's getting him embroiled in some pretty nefarious things. So if you make that a gay villain, ah, oh. and a weird and, and a weird nebulous, indiscernible age sort of person that yes. they just sort of take in from the streets in the midst of like a subtle gay love affair. Yeah, that's a good show. Oh my god, do they kiss? I want them to kiss, and I want them to have blood on them when it happens. Oh, the- I do love a gay with blood on them. What? Like, a hot man, if you add blood to that equation, it just becomes a bit hotter, and I'm not sure why. Okay. You know, like, me, like I hate that I like this, but men who have been in boxing rings that are like blood-nosed and a little bit beaten, that's yeah. hot. Okay. That's hot. When it's voluntary and they're going in for it, yep. that's hot. And the victims are potentially only fictional or non-existent? Exactly, yes. fictional Or at least consenting. Exactly. That's the thing. Yes. Consenting to it or have <laughs> been fictional or are not real. That's sure. That's fine for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. The heroically bloody. Yeah. I mean, that's hot. And I mean, can you pinpoint why? No, I genuinely cannot. Okay. I've, it's something that has been around for a long time for me. and I'm not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like, you know, there's always something a bit edgy and, and fun and sexy Blood and violence, you know. Sure, sure. it's why vampires are sexy. You know, they're sort of evil and oh, the danger of them biting. Like that's hot. But that the, the vampire hotness is very different to like 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 Leonidas in Three Hundred hot. Though. Not really. Not really. I mean, like yeah, like such so as any blood will do. <laughs> I feel- Like, um, blood. Yeah, no, but I do like the idea of, like, now thinking about the 300 version of a bloody, like, sweaty, muscular man. Mm. I like the idea of him coming home that way and me being like, now that you're done with all the, you know, righteous murder, let me comfort you as we kiss. (laughs) Oh, my brain goes, now that you're done with the righteous murder out there, Righteously murder my pussy Oh no. no I just want to help him relax Oh okay Well so do I We both have our ways Um If you were to put on a show of 300 Yes That's something I'd like to see What me welcoming Leonidas back home I think you would No no You directing a, ver, a staged version of 300 I think oh, I could see that working Thank you A whole A whole In my head it's a musical Great And there's a whole number about just Kicking people into a pit Oh And I'll pit kick <laughs> This is but <butter> <laughs> I, da! No, da, 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 da. that would have to be the, the the song where everyone gets to know how the town works, <laughs> yes. right? You'd have to mix it together With that start Where like Unbearable David Wenham Is like If the babies came out ugly We'd throw them off a cliff <laughs> Yes Yeah they have like This big musical motif For whenever people Get kicked off into a pit bit. And it'd be so good Because it's like The refrain would just be like There's this <laughs> <laughs> is like, And And there will be An explanation for all the weird stuff That happens in the town Yeah And then you could bring it back As like a dark Like underscore When like terrible things Would happen Oh my god Like especially when like You know when like Lena Headey Like gets betrayed In the council And like that awful oh, t- guy Like, sexually assaults her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her changing the minds of all those men. Like, there'd be, like, a a, a really slow, like, this is Sparta. Well, if you sort of (laughs) of go into it as, like, the idea of the pit being the gaping maw of, like, mortality and all the awful things in life, the pit could become, like, a very central theme of the whole show. James, that's so smart. That's so good. Also, oh my god. If we can somehow incorporate the pit into being there somehow for a for lot of the show. like the entire show, they're skirting around this giant pit. James, and then when he, <laughs> one of them dies, they just fall in the pit. They fall in the pit and then we need to find a way to get the people that are in the pit to emerge from the pit Playing either like the dead soldiers, yeah. or the idea of mortality, yeah. or somehow involve them in the eventual death of the three hundred. The shades that follow them around. The idea that like they like the part where like they're getting shot by all the arrows is like maybe then these people come out of the pit almost mm. embodying the arrows that murder them, my and that's god. how three hundred, and that's how they all die. Oh my god, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh my god, honk honk because it's a goose. Um, That's it You can't Yeah, You've already got (laughs) The trigger warning goose You can't have two geese Maybe people are afraid of arrows Hong (laughs) Kong So you should work on that I will Um, Yeah anyway Yeah It It sparks a lot of conversation It does It does I'm very grateful for the MTC Thank God it's here (laughs) Waza. <laughs> so, oh, no. I thought you were going to talk so oh, I just went no. to my you know my, my safe place. Waza. Oh, that really took the internet by storm in the early 2000s? Did it? Yeah, do you remember like what was it? Um Bubblegum Pals? Bubble If right in if you remember the Bubblegum Pals or whatever it was. Was bubble... it a product? Bubble People, Bubble There was like a group, there was like it was like a website where you could sort of, like Look at all these. I'm going to look this up later and I'll get back to you. Okay. Uh, Disregard. Uh, we <laughs> both went to see a show. We did, not separately. together. No, thank no, you. God. I can't we'll be very clear about that. We went with completely different people. Um, mm-hmm. We went to the Regent Theatre. Yes. Which is a place in the city. It is. It's on Collins Street. It's a large one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw And Juliet. Yes, we did. Yeah. I went with Georgie Potter. Who'd you go with? I went with James Howe, a friend of mine. Okay, great. Yeah, there you go. All right. I wonder who out of them would win in a fight. Georgie. Jo- okay. Ge- Georgie is scrappy, but Georgie James, strong. I feel, is refined. Okay. Which I think would come in handy. In a what fight. A, they'd be a real odd couple, I guess. I could see them getting along, though. Yeah. Anywho. Anyway. Uh, so <laughs> we went to uh, see *Anne Juliet. Yes. Now, I'm going to, from the very get go, go ahead and tell you I had low hopes for *Anne Juliet. Low hopes. I had very low hopes jukebox musical yes I famously dislike most jukebox musical uh-huh. strongly dislike <laughs> um, and also I wasn't I had I knew nothing about the music all I had heard is it was like a bunch of pop songs mm. by Max Martin and I was like oh God okay and you knew who Max Martin was not before the show but yeah. I did like a brief Google of him before this show and I was like oh seeing all the people he's made music for part of me was like So he's a producer he's a producer and a songwriter okay great he, he wrote like a lot of the songs okay uh, and and there was a lot of me that was apprehensive. Um, I loved this show. Yeah, I loved this show That's so exciting much. Exciting to hear about. Okay. Yeah. Um. The the thing that immediately sold me uh, was 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 uh, our our favorite Rob Mills. Oh. Rising oh. from the bottom, rising on a trapdoor, uh, uh, to to larger than life. I I don't think anything could have been a better opening to a show than that. Who is the genius that cast Rob Mills <laughs> as Shakespeare as William Shakespeare? in this show? Yep. Georgie grabbed my forearm and said, Jake, contain yourself. And I did my best. <laughs> How did you go? Ah! <laughs> Semen everywhere! I was pretty excited. I'm sorry. You're just screaming. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So, the b- brief synopsis of the show yeah. is... It's an imagination of what would happen if if, if William Shakespeare and his wife Anne Hathaway, um, who is who is of course played by Lauren No Amy La Palmer. <laughs> Thank you, Amy La Palmer. Yeah. It was terrific. Um, if if they had a conversation about what would exist in a world where Juliet didn't just kill herself when her lover of a few days dies, mm. and then went on to live her life. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea for a show. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fun way to reimagine some Shakespeare. Well, James, then why did you come in with such low hopes? <laughs> well, no, because, again, I didn't really know much about the story. Uh-huh. My brain just heard Jukebox Musical and went... Even though we live in a world where we saw Jagged Little Pill... Yeah, Jagged Little Pill did, was the turning point. It was a real, real game changer. Yep. We've got Mamma Mia 2... Sure, but that's not a stage musical. That's a movie. There's a difference. Well, I'm going to immediately come back at you with Mamma Mia 1. Yeah, that was great. That was great. That was great. <laughs> what about All Shook Up? There's a good list of, like, jukebox musicals. All musical. Shook Up? All Shook Up. It's, like, all Elvis songs. And uh, it's also, okay. like... Well, it's, it's not much ado about nothing. Is it Taming of the Shrew? It's one of... Is it Twelfth Night? It's, I don't know. It's another Shakespeare. <laughs> it's it's sort of a Shakespeare play. Okay, But, yeah, All Elvis songs... Um, there are other examples, Jersey Boys, beautiful, no, the like Carol King Boys. musical. Um, so, th- what did you think about the show, Jake? Did you love it? Uh, oh, loved it so much. So Could much. N- I couldn't even understand, like, oh my god, I couldn't comprehend how much I was loving it as it was happening, and then when it was done, I was like, that was insane. That was insane! Every element, I think the the stagecraft was amazing. Yes. Like, it, you know what, And again, we can take some swings at bigger shows. This felt to me like what Moulin Rouge should have been. I think it's so interesting to compare this show to Morland Rouge for so many reasons. Yep. And I'd say the first one that came to mind as I was watching it realising what we were dealing with uh, because it was something so impressive so quickly. Mm. W- a thing that you need to give a credit for especially when you compare it to the trash fire that was Morland Rouge the musical. Yes. Morland Rouge and I can talk about the failings of that show for days. Oh, and I yeah. have. <laughs> it's like what was so wonderful about the movie Moulin Rouge was the way that the music was so well curated Mm. to bolster and enhance and help us explore and comprehend the heightened emotions of the characters inside of it, Mm -hmm. which strengthened the world and strengthened our emotional experience as an audience of the story we were witnessing. What they then did with Moulin Rouge the musical was think that people liked well, what it seemed like, they assumed that people liked Moulin Rouge because there were songs they knew in it. Then they put more songs that people would know into it, thus undermining any of the strength that it had because all the songs they chose were things that undermined and made us laugh at the emotional experience of the characters inside of it. I can't and if remember. And Moulin Rouge isn't a story about romance and love, it's not about anything anymore. And I remember every song that sort of got introduced in that musical, the reaction was sort of like, oh, okay. Yes. Like, Which th- shouldn't be the react, but th- with this and one. Like, unless it's your design, it seems like the people making Moulin Rouge must have decided, oh, we want people to recognise the music, hum along to it, and laugh at the things that happen because it's so funny for these people to be singing Shut Up and Dance with me. Yes. You know, I would hate to think the people made Moulin Rouge thinking it's going to be so clever when she sings a slow down version of Firework before having sex with the Duke. And also, <laughs> also I think the music they chose for Moulin Rouge isn't old enough to be nostalgic yet. And it's too, and also like too recent but like not recent enough. Yeah it's this weird pocket of time. I yes. don't think COVID helped but it's this weird pocket of time of like oh okay yeah that song exists. That's yes. the song I hear like in the supermarket sometimes. Yes. But Whereas now- this one is like a curated selection of songs because they're all either written or produced by the same person they have a similar sort of vibe-ish. To each other. To each other, enough that it's sort of like, yeah, I get it. And also, I love this show because it doesn't take... It it takes itself seriously enough, Mm. but it doesn't take itself really seriously. Like, it is one of those shows that's like... We are, this is silly, we're having fun, it's glitzy, it's glamorous, and there is some good music, and we're having fun. Yes. And it was not like, here is sexy France, and we are serious performers. <laughs> it was like, here's yes. some pop and lock and teens having a good time. And no one has tuberculosis. And no one has tuberculosis. It's <laughs> the one thing I'll say against it. <laughs> not enough TB for me. <laughs> it's <about> tuberculosis. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. And in that same vein, it's like, These songs, as with, like, I'd say the ones in Moulin Rouge as well, but in And Juliet, these songs, of course, they're recognisable classic pop songs. But, like, that doesn't mean that they're inherently pieces of trash that we should be mocking. Like, there's a lot inside of these songs, and especially when you add, like, the layer of nostalgia that means that people tie these things to so many things in their past. Um, But even like strip that fact away, it's like there are some like wonderful lyrics in there, and there are words in there that mean things that this show really explores and uses to like elevate the themes and messages that it's trying to convey. Oh my god, Juliet, her first song, what is it? My Loneliness is Killing Me? Oh. I mean, come on! That's a on the, sentence. At, the, at, Ro- at Romeo's uh, coffin. Yeah. Like, that is an incredible use of that song that was like, oh my God, this is going to be actually good. Yes, but also doesn't strive for, like, a level of earnestness that makes you, like, roll your eyes and be like, oh, they're, like, making fun of how these songs aren't about anything. No, it took... They me- found this, like, mm. really wonderful, impossible, like, tightrope to walk the entire time. Yes. And I think it wasn't until... I'd say quite early on in the piece was when I realised, like, oh, the, the, the fact that they're, like, accomplishing that thing that I just mm-hmm. said that sentence about. Yeah. The fact that... a <laughs> yeah. conversation <laughs> function. <laughs> like, the, the, for them to be attempting to straddle that line of, like, it's kind of ridiculous what this show is, but at the same time, it can mean so much. And I think the moment that I was like, oh, my God, they're actually gonna... I think, like, there's reason to believe they can actually do this thing, which seems so hard. It was when Jesse Dutlow mm-hmm. was singing, like, as, like, a non-binary trans character mm-hmm. in the piece, was singing, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman in the bathroom of a nightclub, about their trans experience of things. Mm. And it's like, if that had happened in Moulin Rouge, everyone would have been laughing throughout it. Just because of, like, this choice, if handled incorrectly, could be wildly offensive. But, like, and I'm sure it was the same for you, but it's, like, total silence, just, like... Yeah. Just this, like, magnetic energy towards Jesse, just, like, watching this beautiful song get performed with this meaning it's never had before. And to even, like, sit there as an audience member, and, of course, intellectually being, like... This is a Britney Spears song. Mm. Britney Spears is such a goofy pop cultural icon. Like, it's like, w- why are we like tinkering with her work in this? What, pe- like, what does her work have in this piece that could possibly illuminate anything significant? But Jesse's performance in the arrangement of the whole thing meant that really fascinating new things were getting said with a piece of music we're all quite familiar with. And it's got to be said, Jesse Dotto's got an amazing voice. Oh my God! Yeah, one, I, I think one of the strong for me, one of the just oh, one of the I could listen to them do anything. Sure. With their voice. Yeah. But you're right. That scene was so moving, and it was yeah. Again, was sort of the thing of. It sort of made me think about music means so many so many different things to so many people. Yeah, like there are probably like people go trans people out there who have listened to that song and thought those things, and to see it put on the main stage of the Regent Theatre, yeah, it it must be validating, rewarding. I don't know. It's just you're right. They think. This show did so many things that, as you said, could have gone either way. And but they yeah. just walked that line and made it work. And as you just said, it's like many people will have n- like, never, when listening to these songs, have thought about them in the way that this mm. show allows them and permits them and encourages them to think about them. Like, I certainly had the experience of like listening to these songs that I've heard so many times and heard them in a way I'd never heard them before. Yeah. And that's such an exciting thing to even just say about the medium of theatre and songs. I mean, Teenage Dream... Yeah. Teenage Dream being uh, Casey Donovan and Hayden T. These two sort of like middle aged people reigniting their romance and literally living a teenage dream. It just feels like. Because that happens between, so like Juliet's nurse and Hayden being. He's like the father of Francois, who is a character in Paris. Where they go? Yes. Who Juliet sort of is assumed to meant to be in a relationship. So maybe with. that means we haven't explained the plot enough. <laughs> so like Juliet doesn't die, wakes up, and is like, "I'm gonna go find myself." And, and it's then- got. To- Sorry, before you even say that, yeah, it's yeah. got to be explained. This is all Anne Hathaway saying, "No she- no William. That's not fair. This is what should happen." And then she sort of inserts herself into this story as well as a twenty-something-year-old with all of them. And sort of then paints what the scene would be and how it should work. Sure. Which is, he then says Juliet should have her own journey of self-discovery and f- flees to Paris. Yes, because it's important to know that Anne Hathaway and William Shakespeare are sort of bickering the entire time mm. and the show itself is the imagining of the two of them. It's a show within a show, essentially. Sure, yeah. Well, it's almost like a script within a show. Yeah, I guess almost, it is. I suppose. It's, it's in, the, in the, making work. Because in the world of Amy La Palmer and Rob Mills yes. playing their characters, yes. it doesn't exist. It's just... It's almost like a a, a, a draft that they've fallen into. Yeah, because yeah. they literally come out with the script and quill quite often. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they go to Paris. Yes. <laughs> do you want to tell the next bit? No. The next bit? No, so then they go and they go out like they go out clubbing. Chase, oh! Do you my have girl? any idea how many times I died when I was watching Rob Mills play a DJ in... In an, an imaginary Shakespeare play, playing a Kesha song while a queer meat cute happens? I mean, it's, it's like... <laughs> I never thought I would see something like this on a big stage. It's, it's amazing. It's too... It's, it's like my heart wrote fan fiction. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> I going to be pointed out, Francois, who is the sort of um, love interest eventually for Jesse Dutlow's character May, uh, is played by Yashif, yes. who is terrific. Yashif Fernando, yeah. Yeah, magnificent. Yeah, oh my god. This cast. Can you check who the choreographer is? Because I forgot to look who that was and I want to shout out so many things. Then. Because the dancing in this show... Jennifer Weber, It is Jennifer Webber. The Perfect mix of like young, almost TikTok-y feeling without feeling sickly sweet and unbearable. Which I think is a really impressive mix to achieve. When was the last time you saw sickly sweet, unbearable choreographer? Anytime I look on TikTok. Oh. Okay. Like those sort of like, <laughs> let's do these six second cute little TikTok dances. It had that energy sure. without being that. Yeah. Which I think is... Just so good. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So but so and then I think even like as you were just explaining, like the relationship between the nurse and Francois's dad and mm. them them essentially like in terms of if you look at it from just like you know, it's a piece of theatre. You yep. look at, like, storytelling in theatre, it's like, sure, it makes sense to have these, like, comic relief characters kind of in the background going through something. But it's like, that scene was one of the standout scenes between the two of them through song, talking about, like, th- the way they used to feel about each other and yeah. the way they currently do today and being complicated adults. It's like, that is just, like, a wonderful example of one of the things that I just can't get over about how wonderful this show is. The way that, like, there are so many characters mm. and so many of them go on complicated journeys the yeah. whole time. they're all fulfilling characters living full lives. And they're Like and they all come out different at the end. Yeah. So like there's so many stories where like too few people get affected by anything. But like this thing is all about them coming to terms with like their wants and their needs and how the circumstances they're in change them and teach them Mm. things. It's so wonderful. And at the same time, like it's it's talking about things like transness and talking about like and of course like the the gender elements in storytelling and and the, the idea of Juliet being a person. And how girls today can look at themselves through the lens of what she went through. Like, that sort of thing. Mm. Like, it's saying all these things that you could, you know, teach, in quotation marks, didactically through theatre. And you could do it ham-fistedly and terribly, which we've both seen so much of in film and on stage. Yes. But this manages to almost just, like, exemplify a way of thinking about things and never tells you how to think about them. Well, I love the way that even just there are characters who have clear queer relationships and history of having queer relationships that are referenced and not really made a big deal out of. It's mm-hmm. not It's not a part of the plot. It's just what happened. And I think that sort of theme runs throughout the whole show, mm. where there are, like, queer people, and there are non-binary people, and it's not really that big a deal. Mm. And I think that is a great way to just show rather than tell. Yeah. Well, I suppose in some ways, like, some of it, it is a big deal in the way that, like, it's a... They do sort of directly talk about when there are relationships between people, um, but between, like, non-binary people and mm. and people that maybe we were led to believe were probably heterosexual or whatever, like, there is, there are, like, little flecks of conversations in oh, terms yeah. of, like, does it matter that I'm this? Does it matter that you're that? Does it, You know, those things mm, get talked about, but, yeah. it never, but it never starts feeling like a Glee episode where it's, like... You can hmm. be whatever you want! It's sort yeah. of, like... And it's, like, I'm going to smack this brand new label on myself and now I'm this person. Like, yeah. it's, it, it allows so much room for these, like, you know, intellectual grey areas of actually, like... It, it, and it gives... And as I'd say, after having spoken about Bernard Hamlet, it's like, I'd say this gives the audience a lot more credit in terms of like, we can trust that they are smart enough to have their own thoughts and ideas and talk about this show later. Mm. And that will be a worthwhile experience for them. Outside of this show being so entertaining, it'll be satisfying for them to actually be like, oh, there's work left for me to do in terms of yeah. comprehending the complexity of you what love I'm experiencing. homework. I well, yeah I think we just should I think yeah like, like you need the, the audience needs to be like a justified presence they have to provide something other than just clapping you know termed yeah say thinking <laughs> is a nice and, thing to give them a the chance think to do what impressed me most about this show is that you walked away feeling like that and it's a jukebox musical about Max Martin's music yeah like it, from the outside it does look like it could just be a silly glitzy. Fun show, but it has so much depth. Until it was like 10 minutes in, I was still under the impression that it was going to be like wildly stupid, super flimsy, just like a rickety mess of just like, oh, yep, I know these songs. But it's like, oh my God. Incredible story, we actually got. Oh my God. And I can't just say, like, Amy LaPalma's performance as Anne Hathaway. One of my favourites. So, in the way, I can do you have any words to describe what was so immaculate about what she, I just. Her- she brought this gleeful energy and I think it was this thing of just seeing like, oh god, what was it? It was like throwing herself so clearly wanting to be in this world and be involved in all of this and just. Also, I think there's a little bit of it for me that was sort of like providing that maternal figure as well, which is a bit unfortunate, but you know- Why is that unfortunate? I just think it's unfortunate any time I identify like a woman in a show and say, maternal, that's good, you know? Sure. (laughs) Why do you think that's bad? Because I don't think women should just be relegated to maternal roles, but I don't think that's what happened in this show. I think that's just one string in the many things that weave the tapestry of oh, what sure. this character was. And you felt like she was maternal towards Juliet, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. And I think that was so lovely that she just sort of threw herself into that role. And mm. I think I particularly liked that she was just running around in a cute dress with her little cons on. I think it was just she just had such an energy that I was obsessed with. Yeah. Another transcendent moment of the entire show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy bands back. Oh my God. Oh. James. I, I, there was a thunderous applause. There was, it was, it was the verge of a standing ovation. Because like five male characters in the mm, show mm. are in a boy band all of a sudden. And what does a boy band sing? They sing a, they sing a boy band song. They sing a boy band song. It was the stupidest thing I've ever seen and I loved it. Mm. It was so good. For a second I was at a boy band concert. Mm. And it was, they were in silver, silly outfits doing Backstreet Boys. Mm. James, if this show had been terrible, I would still be infinitely grateful for the opportunity to have seen Rob Mills being a boy band. Yes, okay. I forgot that <laughs> Rob Mills was most of your draw card, yes. But, like, you're completely correct because it's like, on the night that I was there, like, the applause after they performed went for so long... Mm-hmm. Yeah, right! <laughs> that, that, ...that the the performers needed to respond to how long it had taken. Oh, I love that. I, I just... love that. Oh, my God. So good. I mean, it's got, it's got to also be pointed out the actual the stage elements of the show are so impressive. Yep. Like, the ra- like there's a, they, they raise up on a platform, they're swinging from a chandelier, like, there is visually stunning moments in this show. Oh my god. The, like, an entrance that happens towards the end of Act 1. Oh my god. I have thought about pretty much every day since I saw the show, and every time I think about it, I get, like... I assume like, I know the one you're talking yes, about. Yeah. I get, like, excited. Like, <laughs> it, it like it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, shout out to Dresser to the Stars, Olivia Clark. Oh, yes. Who's working behind the scenes of this show. Nailing it. Whittling away. Oh, just a fun fact about Olivia Clark. Her, birds lo- her bird loves this podcast. Oh, good. Her- I, I love that we're appealing to the avian community. Yeah, Cheeky really enjoys listening to us. So, uh-huh. are- hi, Cheeky. I'm not going to talk to a That's bird. That's for you. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, loved that there was a conversation where Shakespeare had to choose between his art and his wife. Yeah, I thought that was incredibly handled. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought I, I loved all the interactions between Shakespeare and Anne Hathaway as characters. I yes. really enjoyed all it of that because it was two complicated, intelligent adults talking about making art. Yeah, like, that's and a good point about love. And yeah. I was like oh my god and I just I guess that leads sort of to the what felt for me is like a, not that a show needs to have like a takeaway message but like even the reprise of I want it that way mm. throughout the like throughout the show that oh, felt yeah. like maybe it meant nothing but it's like so clearly by the end of the piece like it wasn't just about Juliet working out what it is that she wants but it was like at least for me felt so much like it was this wonderful celebration of the significance and importance of throughout your life deciding that you are a worthy enough person to want things wow okay you know yeah. did you yeah. feel that way I can't say I did on the night but I can totally see how you would read it. That it way. was like yeah, as the show ended, like yeah, to <laughs> to those timeless words of "I want it that way." It was like, oh my good, that, that, that that's what the like that the show suddenly became about for me. It was just like how how huge a human moment it is to decide that you are allowed to want things and wanting them and yeah, that wow. being a, a part of being a human properly. Oh my god, that's which so again, nice. which is not a thing that I thought I would learn from a from, jukebox music. From a jukebox, basically musical. fairy floss being pulled through your head. <laughs> yeah, mm. um, I appreciate this show. So it had. Just because so often when you have queer storylines on stage or in any sort of media, it has to be so depressing for them to sort of earn any joy. And I appreciate that really the sort of emotional journey that um, May goes on, uh, the non-binary character in the piece, mm. like it's it's sad and it's horrible, but it's not like them being beaten and up in an alleyway. There's no like horrific trauma and we do get to celebrate essentially what is a joyous queer story sure on stage I just think that's refreshing I think it's nice and it needs to be the norm yeah and that too as well like even the arc that that relationship goes on is complicated by reasons that are legitimately complicated yes you know like it isn't just the conventional things of like oh one brief misunderstanding that then doesn't get resolved because they take forever to have a conversation like so many of the things that go on it's like I can't be with you because of this person, but now I feel strangely about this. And just because I'm not with this person, now I'm going to be with this person. Mm. Like, there's so much of just, like, people being people. It's a real human story. And it's, like, a celebration of the fact that, like, there is so much complexity going on between every pair of people out there that have ever met at all, you know? Like, there is so much between everybody. Yeah. And it wasn't whittling things down in order to make it digestible and fast enough for an audience to sit through. God, I love this show. Oh, my God. God. I do want to also, very quickly, completely out of the blue, just shout out to Sarah Moore and Sean Sinclair for playing the best... Lord and Lady Capulet I have ever seen. (laughs) Just sweeping on intermittently to be evil cunts. I thought that was terrific. Speaking of sweeping, the way that her dress fabric moved. Oh my god, Lady Capulet. Stunning. Oh my god. Unbelievable costume. Oh my god. So great. Costume designer, find me. Um, What? Find it it for me now. I'm sorry, I didn't realise that I became your assistant. You've got the program open in front of you. Paloma Young. Good job, Paloma. Yeah. Good job! <laughs> Shout out to you. This entire show was beautiful. Oh my Set, god! Costume, lighting, all of it. The moment where oh. two of them kissed, and the platform underneath them slowly rose. Yeah, oh, that's theater, baby. Oh. That's theater. It somehow felt like kissing. I was like <laughs> that's that's the emotion of oh oh, oh that's it. I mean, oh, there's oh. so much all over the place, and this is. I feel like we've talked about me like one-seventh of what makes this show so magical. You should go and see this show. Literally, please go and see it, and then talk to either of us forever about it. It's so good. I, I want to just quickly also appreciate the cocktail names. <laughs> the cocktail names. The names of the cocktails. They had cocktails for the show. Yeah, go ahead. One of them was the Max Martini. Yep. Uh-huh. And the other one was the Shakespeare Not Stirred. The Shakespeare not stirred. Shakespeare, oh, let me double check that I got that right. Shakespeare not stirred. Is that what it's called? Just make sure you correctly represent the intelligence of the mariner. Group. Shakespeare not stirred. It's called Shakespeare not stirred. Shaken not stirred. It's a. I understand the wordplay. And it because Shakespeare is like, in the. It just seems like a couple too many dots to connect. Okay, I just want what does so James it? Bond have to do with any of this? Oh, that is a James Bond thing, isn't it? That yes. <laughs> That's a lot of impressive songs for a lot of impressive people for one person to write or produce. Like Max Martin is smart. Max Martin is smart, and what I thought you were about to go on to was talking about Amelia Bassano again. <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs> well, where was, Amelia Bassano? where was Amelia Bassano? Come on, bring again, her in. I, I would have happily watched Rob Mills play Amelia Bassano. What if Oh, okay. Harkening back to if you could change a thing about a show. Yes. What if there was a third character in the outer world of the sort of like debacle of them sort of having this conversation and to bring it even more progressively into the future. Mm. The third character is Amelia Bassano. Yes. That is in like a, a relationship on the sideline with Anne Hathaway, but using Shakespeare as the front man to get her work produced. And they're in this dysfunctional trouble that they work on and then make work by the end of the show. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't keeping up with this this history that we understand... Oh, true, yes. Amelia Bassano is the true author of the vast majority, if not all, of William Shakespeare's purported works. Believed work. to be. Believed to be. We by know. me, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's all it needs. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's my truth. Um, so, what, so you're saying that Amelia Bassano could be, in a version of Aunt Juliet, entangled romantically with Anne Hathaway. Mm, I think that would be funny. Who is cheating on William Shakespeare? No, I think not cheating. I think they're in, like, it's a knowing thruple, but it gets confused with, like... A knowing so, so She's choosing... also with William. So, at, in my brain, Anne Hathaway is with William and Amelia Bassano. Okay. But Amelia Bassano and Shakespeare are not together. But Amelia Bassano uses Shakespeare to get her work produced. And Shakespeare wants to do that. But then, you know, it gets confusing for them romantically all. And professionally, I and imagine. And professionally, exactly. There's yeah. a lot of overlapping there. Yeah. I think that could be something. I would want to see that in almost like a Doll's House Part 2 style. Like, not a jukebox musical. I want like a, like a dry, gritty, like drama between the three of them. Well, I mean, that is an interesting... That's an interesting sort of... I I just think the story of Amelia Bassano that you've described to me is very intriguing. And it needs to be told more and more times. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Amelia Bassano. Justice for Amelia. So we did it. (laughs) We succeeded. Here we are. We did. We talked about two different shows that have strange punctuation in them. Maybe that should be our theme. Our theme for this episode. It was. This episode, yeah. Punctuation. (laughs) Um, And if if you like punctuation, write in, let us know what your favourite... Punctuation mark punctuation is. Punctuation mark is. You can't lose interest in the own I thing that you're trying to do. Um <laughs> as, don't you just <laughs> let us know if you really I guess Semi or um, something. <laughs> as in tradition, uh, we may already disagree with things we've said on this podcast. We are human beings and our opinions change as they should. Mm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and friends don't let friends become theatre critics. They sure don't. They sure don't. No. No. Uh, if you're if you're doing a show soon, let us know. Um great. Okay, well I guess I'll speak to you soon. <laughs> Me or? I'm talking to you um, And hopefully I'll be talking to you Sweet sweet listener In real life Or via this medium That I've come to be quite fond of Or you can email us At praisedianizers At gmail.com There's a bunch of communication things In the like show note thing um, Yeah The thing you're listening to They're all what you think they are Yeah 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 But you know That's where mm. the Work facts it out. are um, Yeah anyway Miss you See you soon Oh my god bye <laughs>